And of course, you know, we all work to make money to earn to pay our bills. Yes, there's a large part of that. But I also appreciate the fact that having a few people here and there that otherwise wouldn't be able to do a tour, um, that that's important to me, that, that people aren't excluded from learning and enjoying things just because they don't have the money. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism and the future of travel. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. My guest today is Margaret Stockton-Davies, a tour guide in London. She's originally from California, but has been living in the British capital since 2004. Her early tour guiding days were spent at the Houses of Parliament. Whenever Parliament was in session, we would have to be working and you know they can work until 11 o'clock midnight sometimes you just be standing outside in the freezing cold for basically no reason but she now mostly does walking tours of the city there's two things we're going to be talking about in this episode the british royal family and the free tour guiding model brace yourselves here is margaret stockton davies are you are you coping well with sort of being in quarantine uh, yes, I'd say I did well until about two weeks ago. And then I just woke up one morning, just so tired of it, just very tired and things over here. I, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but in London, uh, very slowly now they're easing restrictions. And, um, so I can kind of, you can get that sense from out the window that it's getting busier. More people are out there on the streets where people are driving. And so I'm feeling kind of anxious now. It seems like we're, we might be coming to the end shortly. So I'm going a little bit stir crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird feeling like, uh, me and my girlfriend, we, we were talking about things other than doing groceries. And as soon as we have to go like further into the city, it all feels a bit weird. And like, I, f- I feel a bit uncomfortable almost to, to go into the city. It's strange. I, I live quite centrally. So for me, um, you know, it's about a 10 minute walk and I'm pretty much in the center of town. Um, and walking in, I decide to walk my tour route as my exercise. Um because I do a lot of different walking tours that I'm so used to being out of the, well, you know, out of the flat, walking all day, you know, very active. So I've been trying to keep up with that, just with nobody in my, nobody in my group. So not really talking, just sort of walking. And, and it's been very surreal. A lot of businesses boarded up and shutters down. And for a while, there was nobody in the park, no real traffic. You know, I'd walk for an hour and not see anybody else. Um, but it's slowly starting to pick back up now. Now, you, you you have not been able to to get out much and and do tours um but but maybe before uh, we talk about what it is to sort of not be guiding could you could you talk me a little bit through what it is you like so much about guiding in London what are some of your favorite themes and and stops and and tours that you offer people yes absolutely um so when I was in university I focused uh, specifically on the history of the monarchy um so that's that's my real passion uh and, and where my talent lies and I think for a a lot of visitors and Americans in particular, um, you know, the history of kings and queens and the royal family and, you know, coronations and crown jewels. That's a lot of the stuff that kind of attracts people to London. Uh, so I really like to, to share that with people. So um, my I do two tours. Mine are sort of like the um, 
don't know, the heavy hitters, the the main landmarks tour. So I do Westminster where you've got Buckingham Palace and we see the changing of the guard and Westminster Abbey and Big Ben and Parliament. And then I do the other half of the city where you've got St. Paul's Cathedral, London Bridge and the Tower of London. So um, I don't do some of the really niche tours like some of my guides do. Mine are, you know, very much the broad history. Um, and I like to tie it in with the monarchy and how kings and queens have helped to shape uh, the city that we live in today. So that's that's my favorite. So the Westminster tour is is my best bet. That's that's my go-to, my favorite one. Uh, it's the one I think people have the most fun on as well. And also the one that people are most excited to go on because a lot of people, you know, do know about Henry VIII and they do know about, you know, Charles and Diana and the Queen and Meghan and Harry. And, uh, you know, that's what people like to hear about. That's what I like to talk about as well. I, I just finished uh, the three seasons of The Crown. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about why why is the monarchy so fascinating? I think I think there's there's a couple reasons. Uh, firstly, I think it's because it's an institution that's been going on for so long. I mean, we, you know, our modern royal family can be traced back pretty much in a straight line, a little bit of curvature here and there for the last thousand years. So it's something that's so ingrained in the history and the creation of the country. You really can't, you can't separate the country from the monarchy. Um, they, they grow together uh, up until recently anyway, I suppose. Um, also, I think um, for a lot of people in America, in particular, which is obviously where my experience comes from, uh, the whole idea of like kings and queens and princesses and castles, it's very much fairy tale. Uh, and also a lot of, um, I'd say American ideology is based on the fact that, you know, we rejected all of that, that, you know, we, we decided we didn't want that. We rebelled against it. And so we've created something totally different. And so I think it's interesting for people to kind of, uh, you know, come back to the origins of the American colonies and, and what that means. And it's fascinating that, you know, 300 years ago, we went in the opposite direction, whereas in over here in Britain, you know, the, the monarchy kept going. And so I think there's a link in people's minds uh, from the States with that. And also it's drama. It's a real life soap opera, right? Like the, the crown didn't even have to make anything up. Like they just have to tell the real story. Uh, so I think that's part of it as well. It's a cast of interesting characters. What, what is interesting to me, like I come from a country that has a monarchy. I'm from the Netherlands originally. Um, and I think I've always liked uh, the, the, the queen and the king and their family. But, but I always, especially when I came of age a little bit, I had an issue with the monarchy as an institution itself. So there was always this sort of weird sort of, I don't know, power struggle in my head of, of liking the people, um, but not liking the institution they stand for. How, how do you fall on that uh, sort of land on that side of the coin? Yeah, I have to confess, I'm a bit of a monarchist, um, but I think part of that is because most of my job relies on <laughs> On the royal family. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Perhaps if I didn't, uh, if that weren't the case, I wouldn't be that keen. Because um, it is a topic that does come up here. Um, I'd say recently, not too much, um, but around, um, particularly, I would say around the time that Princess Diana died and people felt like the royal family had kind of iced her out and, you know, the queen didn't show respect for her, her family. There was a lot of talk, you know, about that, about, you know, what even are we doing with these people? They live off of our tax money and they don't actually do anything. And the whole thing is outdated and it's totally ridiculous. I think recently that's less the case um, because we had... Um, when we hosted the 2012 Olympics, the Queen filmed a segment for the opening ceremony where she, you know, 
hooked up with James Bond and parachuted out of a helicopter. And then William and Kate got married, which was exciting. And then the queen celebrated her 60th anniversary on the throne, which was fun. And then it was her 90th birthday, which everybody was excited for. So I feel like the royal family right now is relatively, um, I'd say, has high public opinion. Um, But it's something that does come and go in waves. uh, And it is definitely a discussion. And one that I have with my friends, because a lot of my friends that live here, you know, very much are just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's this... Um, you know, the royal family, whatever, they don't really think twice about it. Whereas to me, I get really excited about it. But I think part of that, like I said, is because it's my job. Well, let's let's talk a bit more about your job. I'm making a tour guide. Uh, sorry, I'm making a podcast um, about tour guides, mostly for tour guides, I guess. There's many tour guides listening. And one of the things we talk about is also the different kinds of ways in which we're working. Uh, like y- you have been guiding tours since 2004, is that correct? Uh, no. So I, I started my history degree in 2004. I got my first guiding job in 2011. So okay. for nine okay. years. So so almost almost 10 years uh, you've been guiding. Um, could you talk a little bit like how, like what kind of structures have you worked in? Have you always done sort of the free tour model? Have you been working sort of as an employee or have been getting paid per tour? What kind of tours have you been doing? So firstly, my first job was actually at the Houses of Parliament uh, in the Palace of Westminster. Uh, and, And the tours were just a small part of that job. So the idea there was they created this visitor services department, which would facilitate access between the public and the parliamentary process. So part of the job would be, uh, you know, standing outside and letting people know like, oh, come in to watch the debates or no, you can't come in right now or uh, taking people through if they had events or meetings with their MPs. And um, part of the other part of it was we'd have school groups that we would give tours for and then what were called um, members tours, uh, which are people who've booked a tour of the palace through their member of parliament. Um, so at first, that was just a small part of the job. You'd maybe get to do, you know, two tours a day here and there, but not even five days a week. Um, but that was the best part of the job uh, because there's only so long you want to spend standing outside answering people's questions. And we'd have to, whenever parliament was in session, we would have to be working. And, you know, they can work until 11 o'clock midnight sometimes. So you just be standing outside in the freezing cold for basically no reason. Um, and so the tours were definitely the highlight of the job. And um, because I was over here on a visa when I was getting married, I had to go back to the States to apply for my fiance's visa to come back and actually get married, which meant I had to quit my job. And so when I came back, I just thought, well, you know, forget the rest of it. I just want to do the guiding. That was the best part. It was the most fun. It was what I enjoyed. Um, And so I happened to be looking online uh, and it was the company I'm with now, Free Tours by Foot, uh, who were big in the States, were trying to get a foothold over here in London. And they happened to be looking for guides and I happened to be looking to lead tours. And so we linked up and that's been it. I've been with them ever since. That's uh, like the... um the free tour model is quite big in Europe. Um, it is, yeah. It, it's it's not so it's not so big in 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 the states. Um, could you talk a little bit about why do you why do you think that is? Yeah, I I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know that um, Stephen, the guy who who created Free Tours by Foot, he was inspired by the tours he'd gone to in Europe, and so when he started doing the pay what you like model in New York City uh, and Washington, D.C., you know, it, it was a total, totally new idea. And it was super popular. You know, they, they he took off. Um, 
And, and I'm not really sure. I, I find it interesting because the whole pay what you like and the, and the tips-based system, it is, you know, it does very much cater to American clientele because Americans, you know, we're big tippers. It's, we have a tipping culture. We tip everybody all the time. So um, it, it's very strange to me that, you know, the idea of tips-based touring was relatively new uh, in the States. But I think as well... Um, as an American, if you're paying for a tour, you would pay for the tour and then you would tip on top of it. Um, so maybe it's exciting because it means you don't have to pay uh, for the full the full tour. You could just pay the tip, which probably you're going to give anyway. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different mindset, I think, uh, in the States and some other countries that our tipping culture is very large. What, what do you personally like so much about the model? I there, There's two things. Um, firstly, I like it because it doesn't, if if we're being very honest, it, it doesn't set a cap on what you can earn. Uh, you know, if you're selling tickets for five pounds each and you've got 10 people on and then it's like, okay, well, you know, you're going to get X amount of money and that's it. And you know, you're not going to get any more than that. Where the pay what you like model, the tip space model, th there's no cap on that. You don't know how much you're going to earn. Um, and so you don't have a limit on yourself. Um, and then this, the second thing I really like about it is I grew up um, in a relatively poor family. Like we got food from, you know, food shelters and, and we ate what people donated and only got Christmas presents that people had donated. So I know how it is to not have any money, but to still want to experience things uh, and, and travel and, and see stuff. And so I, I know, you know, sometimes if I'm doing a tour, I might have somebody that comes up and they only give me like a pound or two and they'll say, I'm really sorry, this is all I can afford. And of course, you know, we all work to make money to earn to pay our bills. Yes, there's a large part of that. But I also appreciate the fact that having a few people here and there that otherwise wouldn't be able to do a tour, um, that that's important to me, that, that people aren't excluded from learning and enjoying things just because they don't have the money. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that this is something I hear quite often um, talking to the, the and I, I think it's an incredibly um well, almost like noble thing to do to be, to be able to stand there and to say like I'm giving you the best I've got, even if you maybe can't afford to pay for a full full yeah full tour. The I think maybe the the one um, the yeah the one thing that I have a slight issue with with that sort of argument is that I don't necessarily understand why it is the guide that should take sort of the risk of having a group of people that can't afford it. I mean, if people um, were willing to, to offer tours for people who can't afford it, then why is it the guy that needs to sort of stand out there and maybe potentially make very little money? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's a good point. And, and also, you know, it, it's true. If if everybody on every tour, you know, did the same thing, oh, here's one pound, then of course we wouldn't, <laughs> our jobs wouldn't be tenable. Uh, and so it is frustrating uh, that, you know, potentially we're taking the risk. I guess in my experience, I'm lucky enough that, you know, we get good numbers, we get big groups. So the percentage of people who aren't paying is actually quite small. Um, we also have, I, I know different tour companies run different, um, I'd, I'd say have different, you know, rules and, and regulations and stuff. But with, with us, if you've got a group of more than five people who want to go on the tour, they actually do have to pay a small amount in advance. Um, to secure the booking. So yeah, it, it just so that way you don't end up with 10 people on a 20 person tour who only give you, you know, five pounds between them. So it kind of, it minimizes that risk. Um, so so we're lucky in in that way. 
how do you um yeah what wh what are you doing at the moment like how do you see the uh, the future of guiding, I think, in general, but also specifically for the company that you work for and and the way it's run. Um, I'm mostly I'm, I'm I'm one thing I'm also interested in is that I think a lot of us might not be able to find work uh, in the future, or it will take a long time to come. And I'm also wondering, maybe specifically because you work with the fruit free tour model. If I were to do a tour with one of the companies I work for, I knew I know I would get a, like a fixed fee, re regardless of the three or the five people that are on the tour. Um, that might not be sustainable for a very long time for the company, and it might only employ like a few of us. Um, so that's a, a downside to it. I'm I'm just wondering how you, yeah, see the future for yeah the model that you work work in. Yeah, it's. <sighs> It's so hard and it's really scary to, to think about. Um, I know a few of my guides, I, I want to say, so I have a team. We don't technically employ anybody. You know, every, all the guides are, are freelance. Um, so when I'm saying my team, you know, they're just the guides that I'm used to working with. So three of them have already got um, new jobs now to, to try to get them get them through it. Um, most of my other team are still kind of holding on. We've been slowly eating into our savings account, but just kind of hoping maybe uh, we'll get a bounce back. Um, a lot of people are looking more towards um, the virtual tours, um, doing, yeah, kind of incorporating more technology into things. Um, we've not had many requests through in London for virtual tours. Um, I know in the States, um, where free tours by foot runs, they've had some school groups get in touch that were interested in that. And so, and that's a flat rate, you know, you just pay it in advance and, and the guide can either guide you through Google maps on their laptop, which is really cool. I find that very interesting. Um, or you can actually stream from the different locations now that we're allowed outside of our houses more. Uh, you can, you can do like a zoom tour, um, w walking through the city. Um, but I will say in London, we haven't had too much demand for that yet. But I also believe that that's because everything's kind of in midair right now. We don't really know where we're going to land. And I think the idea of taking a tour and going on holiday is not really what people are thinking about just yet. Um, I think that's going to change by the end of the month in terms of our restrictions being lifted and, and people being able to travel a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting technology to play a bigger part. Um, and what we're doing. Also, a lot of we've been doing audio guides for a long time that didn't start off that popular, but are getting more and more popular. And I think that's going to end up being a lot of people's choice because it's it's a flat fee that they pay and then they can go on their own. They don't have to be next to other people in a group. They don't have to be next to a guide. They can socially distance as much as they want to. They can, you know, play it on their own schedule. Um, it has a little Google map that they can go around on their own. Um so I'm foreseeing more of that. Um, I wish that weren't the case because I just like my traditional classic tours. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I foresee that coming. So I'm very slowly and clunkily trying to equate myself with more technology because, as I said, I'm I'm a historian and that's <laughs> that's the past. <laughs> Anything yeah in current technology is new for me. Even um, I hate to say it, but you know Instagram and Facebook and things like that. I'm only just now taking advantage of those things. It's kind of forced me forced me to learn uh, to market myself that way. Well, Margaret, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciated your insights and 
your uh, your perspectives. And uh, yeah, as I always say, I hope things will uh, <laughs> will get better soon. Yes, absolutely. Well, hopefully, um, maybe in a year's time, you'll be doing this podcast and it'll be about how busy things are and how we've never seen this many people and we're all so successful. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. That's, the that's next what podcast. I want too. That's what I want to do. Well, thank you so much, Margaret, and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you. That was Margaret Stockton Davies, everybody, speaking to us from her house in London. A very enjoyable conversation with the self-proclaimed Queen of Westminster. I particularly enjoyed the candor with which Margaret spoke about why she likes the free tour model, the fact that there's no cap on how much you can earn per tour, and the idea that you're giving people the ability to enjoy and learn from you, regardless of their financial situation. And I have no doubt that many guides, just like Margaret, have enjoyed the financial perks of this free tour model, as well as the noble aspirations that come with them. My concern, however, is that this model can only sustain itself when business is booming. And let's not forget, business has been booming in the tourism industry. But now that tourism is at an all-time low, I do wonder how many tour guides could refrain from performing a not-so-subtle eye-roll when half of their group is counting pennies after a three-hour beast of a tour. Margaret and I exchanged some updates a couple of days ago about business returning. She has done two tours since March, each with just one person, which is quite depressing, actually. I myself actually have my very first tour today, a Highlights of Berlin tour in German, so for the German public. Don't know exactly how I feel about that yet, but it is my very first tour in four months. I'll give you an update on how that went when we're back on Monday. And we'll be back with not one, but two guides from Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia, called John and Hugo. Our guides work really hard to make sure people genuinely feel free to walk away and give nothing. Because what we find works best is if people genuinely feel that this is something that they can choose to assign a value to. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by C.C. White. Georgia Riongu sang me a birthday song and put a candle in my birthday pizza. Speak soon, my friends. And also it's drama. It's a real life soap opera, right? Like the, the crown didn't even have to make anything up. Like they just have to tell the real story. Uh, so I think that's part of it as well. It's a cast of interesting characters.